We are not at Radio Row in Minneapolis because, well, why in the world would we put ourselves through that? I don't know, actually, if Pat McAfee is at Radio Row. He strikes me as the kind of guy who would be there, though. Uh, Pat McAfee, former WVU Mountaineer, former Indianapolis Colt, joins us now on the show. Pat, are you there right now? Are you in Minneapolis? Yeah, I'm in Minneapolis. I'm not at Radio Row, though. I don't work for the Evil Empire, which is ESPN or any of the mainstream places. We're not going live from outside of Sparrow and Panda Express at Mall <laughs> of America. Barstool's got it set up at Cowboy Jack Saloon right down the road. We're having a great time. We're live all day. You guys should be out of here. This place is electric, and Minneapolis is a beautiful place. Minneapolis is cool, and I imagine that the new arena is badass. That's awesome that you guys aren't there on Radio Row, though. I find Radio Row to be, well, somewhat pretentious, as every single station gets the same guests and then acts as if every other station's not getting those same guests. Well, we're not allowed at Radio Row because the uh, founder of Barstool Sports walked into the NFL office just a couple years ago and chanted Hitler at Roger Goodell. So there's a little bit of a uh, a grudge to be held by the NFL so we don't get media credentials to be at Radio Row. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to shop at Mall of America because I work for Barstool, but I do agree that it is absolutely beautiful to watch all the hoity-toity high-end media people sitting around in front of the, the Panda Express and just doing interviews with everybody else. But that's what the Super Bowl is. It's just a beautiful collection of awesome people talking about the world's best sport with the world's biggest game right around the corner. If you were there, though, what free sample would you be going for first? I'm an orange chicken guy. Yeah. Always have, or, I mean, I'm sorry, a General So chicken guy. Always have been. I mean, some people say that General So is just a hack off of orange chicken. I think they're wrong. The General doesn't get to the top of the totem pole without making his way there himself. Some people will do the teriyaki chicken from the Japanese place. That's an aggressive decision. I think General So, if you're getting one on a toothpick, you definitely snag it, maybe do two laps, maybe get a whole meal, and also walk a marathon. Do three laps around there, get three pieces of General So chicken, get a little exercise in and keep it moving. Yeah, the calories don't matter so much then. Pat McAfee joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Pat, first, for those who haven't heard, your story about illegal gambling and how you got into college football is badass. You mind telling it for us here? Yeah, I think in Pittsburgh, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of Italians in Pittsburgh. We all can agree with that. I grew up in a very Italian place. I think the Italians killed Jesus. People forget that. They have great food, all that stuff. But whenever ESPN launched the World Series of Poker and it went into superstardom and a guy named Chris Moneymaker won like $7 million, I think every single kid across the country, definitely where I was in Pittsburgh, was playing poker in garage rooms and stuff like that. I got invited to go down to a kicking camp uh, like one week out. It was a guy inviting me down to come compete against his guys. My dad did not want to pay for it. It was a $1,500 flight and camp and everything down to Miami since it was such late notice. I, sn- I snuck into the basement of a little Italian place. It was a bigger high-end game. Took $100 in there off of one of my rich friends from who I played with, Beedling, and I turned that thing into $1,400. My dad gave me the other 100 bucks. hopped on a plane, Went down to Miami, hit a bunch of field goals, hit a 60-yarder, 65-yarder, missed a 70-yard field goal wide right. The next morning, Tony Gibson uh, from West Virginia walked into the cafeteria at beautiful Plum High School where the ballers ball and the players play, and our teachers sometimes get a little handsy, and offered me a scholarship. And it was just an awesome thing. I got real lucky that the World Series of Poker was a big deal and that the Italians run such great basement poker games with a lot of money available. 
obviously Pat McAfee here on the show. Uh, Pat, what are your best memories of Morgantown? Things that you do remember. Um, you say Morgantown? Yes. I'll tell you what. We just did a lot of celebrating when I was there. We won a lot of games. The whole couch burning thing became kind of something talked down upon, but I don't understand how celebrations can be talked about in a negative sense. I mean, when I was there, our basketball team had Kevin Pitsnoggle draining threes from half court. Gansey was out there. Our football team was running wild. We were just winning a lot, celebrating a lot. And the schooling isn't the most difficult. So you can get by with go ahead and bonging a few beers and keeping your grades academically eligible. And if you want to burn a couch or two in celebration of happiness, I think you go ahead and make that happen. I had a great time in Morgantown, although I don't think I could have lived there much longer. I might have died. Yeah, I feel the same way. I graduated from Morgantown. It took me five years, but uh, I did get out of there with a degree. Pat, I've always kind of likened Morgantown and going to WVU to a golf course where there's a lot of wind, a Lynx course right there on the water where the course might be easy, like the classes, but then there's all the other stuff, the wind that kind of gets in the way of you putting the golf ball where you want it to be. I found the schooling there to be rather challenging just because of all that. Well, I think people forget um, the name is Mountaineers, and it's not because it's a flat area. I mean, we got some real terrain out there. I had to get a scooter off the Internet from Japan early because everything's straight uphill or straight downhill. And when you got the mountains, we've all seen Planet Earth with the BBC, and it's windy, it's gusty in there. I learned a lot about myself like 2, 3 a.m. when I missed the drunk bus and had to walk up those mountains to get back to the dorm. But the wind was something I had to learn to deal with with kicking there because it was quite breezy every single day, and I'm sure the golf game was affected. I haven't golfed in Morgantown much, but kicking it definitely affects every once in a while. And you just got to close your eyes and swing hard, man. That's the best way to beat it. That's what John Daly told me. Okay, so I was making an analogy there, and I did so poorly, but you ran with it, man. You, you, you acted as if I was talking about the actual weather in Morgantown, and you handled it perfectly. You, you bullshat your way through that damn thing. No, that was real. I don't think you're allowed to say that S-word on your station. Nah, I can I like say what I want. Right there. Uh, what were you trying to make a metaphor for? Well, the wind on a golf course, kind of like the drinking in Morgantown. And the game of golf, I was equating to the classes. And if you go out on a challenging course, we'll call it like Harvard, you're going to have issues there. But in Morgantown, the classes are easy, but the drinking makes the classes hard. That's what I was going for. Yep, everything is always about what is along with it in comparison to... I don't think those smart Ivy League kids that their degrees actually matter whenever they walk into a, a, a job thing, an interview. Like our resumes, you now granted you graduated from WB, congratulations, you're one of the only people I've ever met that have done that. <laughs> I have not. I think those Ivy League kids have no idea how to handle just gallons of booze and then waking up the next morning and attempting to know what you're doing in a test because that's more life-relatable stuff. And that's really where WVU shines, and people forget that. Pat McAfee joining me here on the show, of course, played uh, for the Indianapolis Colts eight seasons. What was Peyton like off the field? Were you guys buddies at all? Yeah, we drank beers together. Peyton was a good guy, really good guy. He was like a robot machine. You never knew if he was going to be the boss like your friend or GM. Like, I've seen him cut people. I've seen him take people off the field because they attempted to catch the ball with one hand. But then off the field, whenever you're hanging out with him, having a beer, he's a great time. He drinks 
standard Bud Light dilly dilly beers. He's not really high society, not a snob. He's made a buttload of money in the NFL and in advertisements. And I just think he's a good dude. I was very lucky to get to watch him work and watch the way he operated when I was younger. And if I could slam a beer in front of him in a, a pretty epic fashion, it made him laugh. It was all good. The team was great with him. And I was a big fan of being his teammate, brother. You got any off-the-field Peyton stories? I, I realize you just talked about how you drink a beer or two with him. Anything that he did that made you think, man, I can't believe Peyton Manning just did that. Yeah, there's like a 15-minute story about the first time I went to a casino with Peyton Manning after he rented out a golf course for us, basically. And he told me I was at the, uh, the crap roulette. What is it? Roulette. I was at the roulette table. And he walked up behind me. The entire casino was a buzzing. The boys were buzzing. And uh, he smacked me on the ass. And he says, how about that red 18? And I had to take all of my chips off me, all of the number, other numbers I had. I put them all on 18. Everybody else at the casino was like, well, damn, the Peyton Manning says put it on 18. We're going to put our money on 18. There was no chips on any other number. It was just a leaning tower of Pisa right there on the red 18. One spin happened. And whammy, red 18 hits. Peyton Manning gives me a gun and a wink and walks away, and it was at that moment I said, if Peyton Manning tells me to go ahead and jump, I'm going to go ahead and jump. That dude just has these superpowers, and that's why he was so good at football, and that's why he's probably going to own a team at some point because his roulette predictions are something that are going to make him a very wealthy person, not if he didn't make enough money in football. Pat, I've always wondered this about punters, so I've got one on now. Why not ask the question? Did you root for your team to punt? Were you rooting to get out there? Because it's a, it's a bizarre kind of quandary, I would think, because you want to go out there and do your thing, but you also want your team to be successful. Yeah, I mean, anybody with a brain knows that there's no such thing as an offense going to be perfect all year. Field position's a big deal. But I love the celebration, Adam. I absolutely love celebrating. So if I don't punt at all and we just win and win and win, I'm all about the party afterwards. But if there comes a time where they need us to go ahead and turn the ball over in a strategic fashion and gain a big amount of field position, it's my job to go ahead and waltz out there, hit a couple bombs, make the crowd go, woo, and then just keep it moving. That's the punter's job. But I'm all about winning, sitting on the bench, and celebrating if that's what it has to be. And I think most punters are like that. What's your most memorable fake? Well, I mean, I have a perfect passer rating on Thanksgiving in the NFL. People forget that. I mean, I threw a ball in Jerry World that was dropped. It was like a 60-yard ball in the basket. I ran the one against the Tennessee Titans. We hit a couple onside kicks against some teams. I think any time you get to keep a possession, whether it's on a fake punt or an onside kick or something like that, it's so valuable to the team. It makes everybody happy. You're stealing a possession. It's just a magical thing. And any time I got to do anything that was out of the norm for punters and kickers, I enjoyed all of it. I absolutely loved it. How much are you loving the barstool stuff right now? I mean, the stuff's great. You've got to be living the life, I suppose, yes? Yeah, we're having a great time. I mean, I went ice fishing last night on Lake Minnetonka for like four and a half hours, just recorded it all. We put the video out. We're just having a great time making content, doing the serious radio from – 10 to 1 American time, 9 to 1, or, yeah, 9 to noon Central time, and then 7 to 10 Pacific time every single day. We're just having a good time. I get to hang out with my friends, got a couple boys from the Berg with me here, and we just try to create content, have a good time, make people laugh, and keep it moving, Adam. That's what life's all about. Speaking of keep it moving, we'll get you out of here here in a few moments, but let me give you some rapid-fire questions. You ready for some rapid-fire? 
Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Best teammate in the NFL? Uh, Adam Bittar. Best football friend? A.Q. Shipley. Weirdest dude at Barstool? Uh, Donovan McNate. <laughs> Best place to drink? Overall, anywhere you've been, best place to drink. Tip a few back. Uh, that's like picking a movie. Like You can't pick a favorite movie unless you give me a genre. I've been blacked out in Munich. I've been partying in Morocco. I've been in L.A., Miami, all over the place. They're just different genres of drinking. But I very much enjoy whenever I, it might still be like this. When I'd go back to Pittsburgh and all my boys would be there and nobody had a clue who the hell I was, so I just looked like the rich douchebag who had my parents' credit card. And we would have a great time down there in the south side or on Station Scare or over there on the North Shore. That was probably my most favorite time. Toughest group of opposing fans when warming up? Um, everybody seemed to get along with me, so I, it wasn't really that <laughs> difficult. A lot of people said hello to me. I talked to a lot of people. The black hole was lit. That was a good time. Eagles fans enjoyed me because it was one week after I gave the most ridiculous mugshot in NFL history. Yes. They liked me a lot. I mean, everybody is really nice to me, so I got very lucky with that. Two more things. What's the most scared you've ever been in your life? Well, there was a guy named Brian Brahman who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles now. Uh, he is just a block specialist basically he's a terrorist for the brand basically and we're playing in houston texas and i think it was a thursday night game and he came in the butt he got an up and under on a guy he came in scot-free on a punt and he completely missed the ball his entire body just wrapped around my knee i still punted it but i thought i blew my knee out and somehow it didn't happen but i definitely pooped a little bit at that moment adam you know jeff reed at all yeah, I know Jeff Reed. Uh, I've got a chance to chat with him a few times throughout our days and our lifetimes. What a, what a human he is. Now you guys seem like you get along. we got Jeff Reed coming up in about 20 minutes here on the show. Really appreciate the time, man, as always. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Now, the difference between me and Jeff Reed, and I think this is just a subtle difference, is I enjoy the hell out of paper towel dispensers. I think they're a <laughs> lifesaver. Jeff Reed had a little bit of an anger issue with them that one time. He's got over that. I think he was a very talented kicker growing up. In Pittsburgh, it was awesome to watch his hair and his leg work. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, Adam. See you. Later. There he goes. Pat McAfee. Love that guy. Barstool's got some dudes I don't necessarily respect. But I respect him, Big Cat, PMT commentator, PFT commentator, pardon me, both the commentators, commenter, for the love of God, regardless they kick ass, they're brilliant, and they're making the stool presidente, they're making that guy all the money. They're the smart ones, and that guy's profiting. Nice gig if you can get it. Coming up next, my buddy Wes Euler from Philadelphia, going to give his thoughts on Eagles fans wishing that they're going to beat the Patriots. It ain't going to happen. And then we got Jeff Reed coming up in, oh, 25 minutes on the Crowley Show. He came here to do three things. Drink beer, talk sports, and drink some more beer. That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Pat McAfee is a boss. That's because he went to the greatest university on the planet. As did my next guest, who Tom has forgotten to call, from the Eagles flagship station, he is Wes Euler. Wes, we got you. Hello. Hello. 
Oh, wait, no, we didn't, because Tom's socializing in the next room instead of doing his damn job! Never would have happened with Joe. Although the last time that I did a show with Joe, we had a guest on the air. Joe went out to take a deuce. And the guest dropped, and I'm sitting in here talking to myself, unable to call the guest back. Luckily, though, it all worked out. My buddy Wes works at the Eagles flagship station in Philadelphia. He joins me now on the show. Wes, what's up, my man? What's going on, Mr. Crowley? How are we? I'm all right, dude. I just talked to our Mountaineer buddy, uh, Mr. Pat McAfee. Always a good time. Let's see if you can stay in lockstep with him. Continue to make this a good radio program. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. You're just going to have me follow up like the funniest guy on earth. I really appreciate that one. Way Way to set me up for success here. You said what time you want me on. I said either 5.20 or 6. <laughs> and I decided I'm going to slide the Mountaineers next to each other. I got Jeff Reed coming up at 5.40, too, because we talked to kickers during Super Bowl week here on the Crowley Show. Wes, you were talking to me via text about some wing cook-off nonsense they do in Philadelphia this week? Yes, so it's tomorrow at 6 a.m., and it's actually, uh, I believe it was, I know at one point, still one of the biggest uh, one-day radio promotions in America and it's essentially a, uh, a wing-eating contest, but it has, uh, after 26 years now, this will be Wing Bowl 26, it's, it's turned into a big party in Philadelphia. The best way I would describe it for you, Adam, is it's kind of like Kenny Chesney Day in Pittsburgh. Oh, no. But swap, but swap out music with wings and scantily clad women. That's how I would best describe it to you. Scantily clad women at this time of the year? Oh, no way. That can't happen. It's inside at the Wells Fargo oh. Center. 20,000 tickets, Adam, sold out in just over a week. Is this a day where people take off work? Is it a, a holiday around Philadelphia? It is. It is. It, it's, a, it's definitely a holiday. It, like it's like St. Patrick's Day is for St. Patrick's Day is for a lot of people. It is something that people look forward to all year, and it's always the Friday morning before the Super Bowl. Okay. Wing Bowl 26. Ric Flair is going to be there uh, tomorrow, actually. Woo! Is it Woo! as big of a mess as Kenny Chesney? Will there be people arrested? Will people be hurt? Will people throw up? Will that be the theme of this? Is that is that what you will take away from it? The uh, complete debauchery? Yes, but I think more of the debauchery happens inside as opposed to outside since it does start so early in the morning. Like I said, it starts at 6 a.m. And do people just start drinking people- at 6? Uh, the tailgate lots open at 2 a.m., and there are people oh, waiting to get in at 2 a.m. And uh, Last year I had to work it, actually, and I was walking through the parking lot at about 4 a.m. and saw multiple people just vomiting and fighting and, you know, smelling that, smelling that good stuff in the air if you catch my drift. Um, but I would say, like, it doesn't look, it doesn't have the same visual, just disgusting, like the pictures that you see in, at the, in the Heinz Field lots on the North Shore after a Kenny Chesney concert, but inside... It's the single biggest alcohol sale day of the year that the Wells Fargo Center has. And it's for an event that starts at 6 a.m. on a school day, which is pretty wild. I'm starting to actually respect Philadelphia now. That's something that we can wrap our arms around to dub VLM. Wes Euler joining me here from the Eagles flagship station on the Crowley Show. If your team wasn't at Radio Row, would your team have been doing Radio Row there? Is that a big radio thing? Oh, we do our morning show. Angelo Cataldi and the morning team do their uh, do their show live. Yeah, from from the Wells Fargo Center tomorrow morning, starting at six a.m. That's why it starts so early because they were the ones that came up with this whole idea for Wing Bowl. It started. Off oh, they started this whole thing. They started the whole damn thing as radio as a radio promotion, and it, it started off small. You know, I think they just had it in like conference centers and things like that for the first couple of years. 
Then it moved to uh, the Fillmore, you know, which is a concert venue here for a couple of years. And now, like I said, it's at the Wells Fargo Center, 20,000 tickets, and it, it sells out like within a week. It is a, uh, it's a big, deer, big, big, deer, big deal here in Philadelphia, no doubt. What should I start? i got to get something going like that. Obviously, I don't have the reach of that morning show because our station sucks, but I do have the iHeartRadio app behind me. So what should I do? What kind of event should I make? We should start a, uh, a pond hockey game, an annual pond hockey game every year. There's something behind that, I think. Okay, so I have kind of started that already. We were going to do a pond hockey game, and now I've been in contact with PPG Paints Arena, and we're going to do a, a celebrity, if you will, more like a radio celebrity hockey game at PPG Paints Arena. We just don't know when it's happening yet. So there you go. Well, I like that. I like how you decided to do this when I'm in Philadelphia now because you don't want me showing you up at PPG Paints Arena in front of all your, you know, your your famous friends. Yeah, I'm terrible. I'm awful at hockey, but I will skate. <laughs> I will go out there. I will play. I'll be a fourth line grinder, though. That's the kind of guy I am. Uh, Wes, two questions here that I think really get to the heart of this Super Bowl, and really these are the only two questions that I need to ask you in the remainder of this interview. Number one. Carson Wentz, clearly rooting for the Patriots, right? I mean, it would, how awkward would it be if he had to walk past a Nick Foles statue every day for the rest of his career going to work? Be a problem. And you know that if the, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl all summer, people are going to be saying, well, Carson Wentz was just a system QB. And by all people, I mean like Skip Bayless and, and you know, the people that are Cowboys fans. But I, <laughs> I was surprised. No, wait, let's be real. He's rooting for the Eagles, but... I'm looking forward to a whole summer of what's going to be just great sports talk between the, I'm sure, trade foals, trade wins, what are we going to do crowd, uh, which will come from all directions this summer, regardless of what happens on Sunday. Well, I'll tell you what's happening on Sunday, and this is why it's not really a question. It's just a statement of fact. The Eagles aren't going to win. Here's the question. Do Eagles fans really think they have a chance? Oh, Eagles fans don't think they have a chance. Eagles fans think... That they're go- like Eagles fans are confident, very confident. And I gave you the the fifteen and zero stat yesterday, right? When we talked to the Patriots. Oh, don't tell me you did more playoffs. homework. Don't drop something I, else on me. The Patriots are fifteen and zero in the playoffs in the in the Brady Belichick era when they play a team that they didn't face in the regular season, which is just astounding. But I did do a little more research and found that the Eagles defense has held opponents to ten or fewer points four straight games. That's the first time that that's happened in the NFL, Adam, in about a decade. Um, so this Eagles defense is legit, and I think we talked about that a little bit yesterday. But maybe, Adam, I, I don't know. Maybe the reason that people are so confident around here is for a franchise that, like, no doubt has, has gone through its fair share of heartbreak. Maybe I, I think people think that this is finally the way it has to happen. You lost Jordan Hicks, who is one of the better linebackers in the league. You lost Jason Peters, a Hall of Fame left tackle. And, of course, Carson Wentz, who I think would have probably won the MVP if he wouldn't have gone down looking not so good after he goes down. Everyone's saying your season's over. Everyone picking you to lose. To now this, maybe this is the way it has to happen for this franchise to finally break through and win their first Super Bowl. Coming back from the brink and taking down a dynasty like the Patriots and Bill Belichick. So I think a lot of people around here uh, just kind of think that it's, it's fate and this is the way it has to happen. And I think that's kind of playing into some of the confidence. Oh, my God. They're just drinking the Kool-Aid, man. Or apparently a 1,000 beers, which will all be consumed starting tomorrow at 6 a.m. Dilly dilly. It ain't going down, man. It's not going to happen. I'm just telling you. Everything you just said, I understand why Eagles fans would be like, it's our year. Look at all the adversity we were able to battle through. But losing those players... Means to me, you don't have the goods to beat Tom Brady in the biggest game of 
the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. It ain't happening, Wes. I'm telling you right now, not happening. Who are you are picking? You predicting, are you predicting the first Patriots blowout in the Super Bowl? Are you going that far? Oh, my God, yes. I think um, it'll, I, I hope to God it's interesting until late in the fourth quarter. I, I would imagine it probably will be, but I think the margin of victory for New England is going to be 10 or so points. I told you yesterday uh, that I'm pick, I'd pick the Patriots to win. Yeah. That's because of that, that 15 and 0 stat that we've now talked about twice. Like, that's just ridiculous that Brady and Belichick are undefeated when playing a team in the postseason that they didn't face in the regular season. Like, you just have to be mental to pick against the Patriots. But I do think that it's going to be another back and forth. I, I would be surprised if the Eagles lost by more than 10. Sure, 10 points, okay, maybe. If it was more than that, that would surprise me. As I told you yesterday and today, I think that Eagles defensive line is very legit, and I think they will give the Patriots offense at least uh, slow them down, give them some, some problems in the first half at least. What are you hearing about the Eagles fans' turnout up there in the, in the north? Oh, well, it's been, it's been pretty wild. I'm not sure if you saw. There was a, a bunch of Eagles fans that kind of took over media day with doing the mocking skull chant, but instead of saying skull, they were chanting foals. Which was which was pretty funny, but that's badass. Um, that is pretty cool. Coming, <laughs> coming from our coming from our people who are there, so of course this is probably a little biased. But they've said it, it's been about seventy thirty Eagles fans, which again wouldn't surprise me if you're from New England and you've done this plenty of times. Are you really going to want to take a trip to Minnesota? No, you skip February? Minnesota and wherever that wherever it is next year, which I haven't looked yet. Wherever it is is nicer <laughs> yeah. than Minnesota, so you're just going to go next year anyhow. Exactly, but no, I think Eagles fans are there and they're in full force. There's definitely plenty of Eagles fans who have that attitude of, I want to stay here because I'd rather be in Philadelphia if this is going to happen. Um, but I, I think they will be well represented, and I think you'll see more green than you do uh, Patriots colors. Wes, you've been our Super Bowl correspondent this week and last week, if I recall correctly. I don't know. I drink a lot. So thank you. Appreciate the time as always, buddy. Be good out there. Hey, it's been fun, man, and maybe we'll have to follow up next week if the uh, Eagles make you eat your words. They ain't making, they ain't making that happen. Goodbye, Wes. Thank you. <laughs> see you, buddy. Go Mountaineers. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jeff Reed coming up in seven minutes here on the show. People, the Eagles aren't winning this game. They're not. And I get why Eagles fans think they have a chance because there's a football game that has to be played. And that's the beauty of the Super Bowl. That's the beauty of the National Football League. You can talk yourself into believing that you have a chance to win one game, but they don't have one of the best left tackles in the National Football League, a future Hall of Famer. They don't have Carson Wentz, who, as Wes just said, is probably, was probably at the time, the favorite to win the MVP. I've seen this too many times before. Oh, the Eagles with T.O., yeah, he's hurt, but because he they got there, even though he was hurt, so it's our year. Now, after that, it, it, you have less of a chance to win whenever your guys are hurt. It ain't happening. Oh, Carolina, oh my gosh, this darling team, look what they're going to do. Nope. Good work. Nice try. The only team that's been able to do it is Tom Coughlin's Gigantes. And Tom Coughlin just got squashed by the Pats last week. Not happening. I'm not a big prediction guy because I just think it's stupid. No one knows what's going to happen. Tom Brady's ACL could explode in the first snap of the game. But if Brady plays, and he's playing until the clock hits zero, New England's going to hoist their sixth Lombardi. Coming up next, one of our favorite guests here on the Crowley Show. It's kicker day, because that's what we do on Super Bowl week. Jeff Reed, it's a Crowley Show.
He wouldn't shut up, so we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. We'll just call it Rex Ryan Day here on the Crowley Show. I got a foot fetish. So we had Pat McAfee on to start the 5 o'clock hour. Now Jeff Reed, former Steelers kicker, joins me now on the show. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time, man. What's up, guys? I appreciate you having me on. Love having you on, Jeff. It is Super Bowl week, so we got to ask some Super Bowl questions. How did you feel prior to the Super Bowl? Were you nervous? Were you were you throwing up? I know before theater shows back in high school, well, sometimes stuff would come up when I was nervous. Yeah, the thing about it, I had an interview last night, too. It's funny you asked that. They, they said the same thing. You realize that it's, it's a football game. You've done this for many years. Um, you made it to the pros because you knew what you were doing. Um, but you also realize this, this is do or die. This is you're the first loser as a second-place team, or you, you get your ring, man, and you get your championship. So um, throwing up, no. Lack of sleep, yes. <laughs> but, you know, then again, you had uh, had all week to be there, so it's not like it's one of those normal road games where you just you fly in, you sleep, you wake up, you play, you go home. Um, so you're kind of acclimated to it. I mean, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a huge stage, but, I mean, we don't really know that. The only thing different in that game as opposed to any game you play, home or away, is the fact that you got a 24-minute halftime because you got Timberlake coming out there, somebody, <laughs> instead of you know honoring a few people for 12 minutes, and uh, so that's that's the only difference, man. But yes, it's uh, if anyone says they don't have butterflies before this game, they are definitely lying to you. They should be your friends. Did you have any teammates that you thought, oh my God, this guy's gonna lose it next to me? Like, oh my God, this guy's looking at this game totally differently. Anybody on your team that you felt that way about going into any of the games? I didn't. Our, our, my teams, uh, and I say my, but it's not my. Our teams were unbelievable, man. We were all close. I mean, I'm sure the Steelers are close now, but when I go back there, I don't feel the same as I did. I don't feel, I don't, not to say I don't feel welcome. I just don't feel like I used to feel when I walked in there two or three years after I left that place. I went to a different team. I come back there because that was pretty much my home, my second home. And, uh, but now I feel like, you know, there's too many individuals. It's not just Pittsburgh. I think the NFL is like that. Um, I, I feel like everyone's out for themselves, out for their own money, out for their own stats. Um, but the teams I was on, it was like college. That's why we were so successful. I mean, I think I was I was there nine years. We made the playoffs six years, and um, that's not easy to do. I mean, when you look at, when you look at the big picture of things, should have made it all nine years. But you know, as soon as you lose focus for half a minute you lose six games and you may not sneak in there. Uh, that's just the way it is. Um, but uh, as far as my teammates, uh, I mean, around Heinz Ward, you're laughing anyway because he's always smiling. It doesn't matter. Um, James Ferrier, James Harrison, Roethlisberger. I mean, everybody's, I mean, they're, I'm sure everybody's nervous because you want to, you want to be the, uh, you want to be the one to win the thing. You know, you, you're, you're the man, no matter what. You want to be the one to get the ring. Um, but, you know, I was, luckily for me, two for two. I didn't have to experience the other side of it, like the 2000 and I, what was it, 10 Steelers did, and I was there the whole year until the playoffs, which kind of stunk. Um, but 
I, I didn't experience that. I, I experienced the good side of it. And uh, our team was pretty relaxed. We had a good time the whole week. I mean, we had curfews. We, we had our fun wherever, whatever city we were in. Obviously, Detroit and Tampa are quite different, so Tampa was a little bit more fun. Um, but it, it was a good time no matter what. And, you know, we had fun playing the games. Uh, we were we were way ahead in the Arizona game, the Super Bowl 43. Thought we were easily going to walk through this, and that's why we almost lost it. But you know what? San Antonio got three feet in. I, they always say they got one foot, and I don't think he got a second one. I think he got three in. I, I didn't see it. Jeffrey joining me here on the Crowley Show. Tampa had to have been a lot more fun, as you mentioned, than Detroit. This year it's up in Minneapolis, which is a great city if you go in the one month of summer that they have up there. Right. I would imagine that the Patriots, like we were just talking in the last segment, Patriots fans, they're probably not going to be a lot of them there. They'll just go to the Super Bowl next year, wherever it is, I'm sure it's warmer. Yeah, the thing about the Patriots, because I had a couple of ex-teammates that played played for the Patriots after Pittsburgh, and I and I always kept in touch with as many people as I could, and they said, you know, this team wins, so it's cool because you get a ring and you get to experience playoff money and all that stuff. He said, but, you know, this it, they make it a business. Um, like you, nobody hangs out. You don't really, like, see, here's the thing. In Pittsburgh, obviously Pittsburgh has, the, the sports teams rule the world, which is crazy. But that was a cool thing. I mean, every, I mean, whether you got, you're married with eight kids or you're, 21 years old, um, everyone hung out together, man. There's always a group of 16, 17 guys, not four or five. And uh, so the, I'm not dissing the Patriots. I just – it was great to experience the fun side of the NFL versus business side. And, and the and thing about the Patriots is they're going to be good. I mean, as long as Belichick's there, as long as Brady's there, they're, they're not going to struggle. They may lose a few games, but they're always going to be in the hunt. Uh, Pittsburgh was the best team this year, and uh, they blew it. So, um, but I'm not a coach. I'm, I don't play there anymore. I can't really talk any smack about it. I just know that they should they should be playing in an all uh, Pennsylvania Super Bowl right now. Jeff, what was your what were some memories you had of uh, Bill Cowher, and how did he compare to a coach the same kind of coach? Uh, was he a similar kind of coach to as as Mike Tomlin is? They're not they're not similar at all. Um, Tomlin's cool. I mean he's He's one, he he acts as one of the guys, which is fine. I mean, when I got in the uh, when he got in the league as the head coach in Pittsburgh, uh, he was what thirty seven, and uh, but I mean, the thing about Tom, he's cool. He's super cool. His family's great, all that. Um, but Cower was like old school, which is fine with me because I was old school. Like I mean, NC State guy, so he gave me hell all the time because I was a Tar Heel. <laughs> uh, spit on me about ten times. But, you know, after the game, when you talk to him, and you, you, I won most of the games, he spit on me, so um, it wasn't too bad. But after you talk to him, he's like, oh, I yelled at you? Like, he's so intense in the game that he doesn't even, he doesn't even know what he does. But leading up to the game, he prepares you, prepares you, prepares you, takes care of you. There's, there's no full pads. You guys know how to play football at this day and age. This is the NFL, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, I, I lean a little bit towards Cower. I don't dislike Tom. I think he was great. Um, but I do think Cower was – they're definitely different coaches. Uh, Cower lets you be a professional. Uh, Tomlin came in acting like it was a college team and uh, had to change really quick. You think that's one of the reasons why, despite maybe having the best team this year, they did fall short, the Steelers? 
I can't blame anybody. Um, it's not. It's not my. Uh, it's not. It's not my way to say that. Sure. Um, I, I now, if I, if I look at what's going on, I think, you know, like certain people saying before the Jacksonville game, we're going to beat the Patriots. I guarantee that win. Mike Mitchell. That's not certain people. I'll call him out because I think that's stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that. Like that. That's the coach's fault. And. I know you can't control somebody's mouth, but you can control, say, in the team meeting, say, listen, we all know we, we should beat and will beat Jacksonville, but we can't talk about New England until it's there. And, and that's it. But he lets them be them because, he's, you know, they're grown men. And, and that's okay on Thomas' part because he should. He shouldn't have to babysit. But stuff like that is why you lose the game. Like, they should have lost that game by 25 points, 24 points. But they had some circus catches on fourth downs. Kept him in the game. Jeff Reed joining me here on the Crowley Show. Jeff, one of my favorite memories as a Steelers fan was the division round playoff against the Jets uh, in 2005. And uh, Doug Bryan missed a couple of field goals. You went out and won the game in overtime. I wonder if you see the guy miss a couple at the other end. Does that get you thinking whenever you go to kick one to win the game? Yeah, I, I, that, and that's the kick. I, they said, what was your most memorable kick? And I it, basically every kick, obviously the first one being the best because I played NFL in a real game besides preseason. Even though it's a real game, it's, you know, kind of not real, you know, in a, in a certain way. Um, no, that's so why I, I said this game. And uh, I Doug Bryan's a friend of mine. I'll always speak to him. I'll always, uh, you know, I, he had a great career. Um, but, you know, the coolest thing about that was, uh, it was, what, negative 10 degrees, whatever it was. We're playing on a mud bowl. Um, we should have lost two or three times. <laughs> and I make a 33-yarder to win the game. And the best part about it was I jumped in Jerome's hands like I was his kid. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Jerome told me, you're the reason we're advancing. And uh, I, I don't believe in that because they had to get me to that point. Um, but it, it was it was the coolest film. I get the chills talking about it now. I mean, shoot, I'm almost 40 years old. But it, it was one of the coolest things in the world to see Jerome Bettis give me a hug. He he actually was like a chiropractor. He popped my back all the way down. <laughs> um, he hugged me so hard. It kind of hurt, but, you know, I, I didn't care at that point. I mean, I, Jerome said it was uh, I was the reason we advanced. So, you know, I said, yeah, you're right. Even though I, sh- I should have just said, well, thank you. I just, you know, <laughs> but, you know. I mean, it, that was that was the best thing in the world, and kicking it at home. And, I mean, that, that day probably, which is funny, because I had an autograph session probably a year or two later, and there were two or three moms that came up and said, I named my kid Reed because of that kick. And I said, you guys are crazy. <laughs> uh, but, that's, but that's what the Steelers fans are all about, and uh, that was one of the best films in the world. Did you ever have to buy a drink in town at that time, Jeff? I would imagine that you're kicking game-winning field goals. Moms are naming their children Reed. I'm sure you can go anywhere in town, and oh, this one's on me, Mr. Reed. Yeah, I uh, listen. I tried, man. Now it's totally different. Like I try not to buy a drink, and I have to. Like I, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, listen, you used to play, but we don't care anymore. Those rings are nice, but you got to pay for your drinks, you know. But then. Um, you had girls buying a guy a drink, and and that was that was the best feeling in the world. Hell yeah! Girl, just because somebody buying me a drink. Yeah, you're right. Like buying bottles. Hey, I got a table over here. No, we're gonna buy you a bottle, man. You hit that game with. I'm like, really? I said, well, you know, I guess I gotta keep kicking good. I guess you know. But no, it was a uh, it, it was. I didn't really have to. I didn't have to do too much. It's funny. 
when you're on top of the world, you get free flights, you get free drinks, you get free everything. And then when you're struggling, you got to pay for everything. I mean, that's how the world works. But uh, that that was one of those times when I, I couldn't do no wrong. I'm just orgies, all kind of stuff. I, I said that, not you. I, I, leave, I leave that all alone, man. <laughs> Jeffrey joining me here on the Crowley Show. Last couple of things. You ready for some rapid fire, Jeff? All right, let's get it popping. All right, let's do it. Best teammate. Oh, boy, I'll, get, I'll give it a highest award. Always was. Good buddies off the field, too? Always. Is he your best football friend? I got a lot of them, man, but I'll stick with Hines. I'll keep rolling with it. You said rapid fire. You asked him about the same question, though. Well, I had these all lined up, and then you you, you like Hines so much, it just seemed it just seemed easy to go to that next one. All right, I'll go. Uh, I'll, I'll, ch- I'll change it up. Go ahead. Next one. All right, best place to drink in Pittsburgh. Well, let's see. I don't really drink. You believe that? I don't believe that, no. All right, so... uh Let's say uh, Mario's in the South Side yeah. was my spot. I did my uh, I did my TV show there and everything, so I'll leave it at Mario's. Yeah, all the Steelers now are drinking at the flats. Toughest group of opposing fans that you had to deal with when you were warming up? All of them, because my hair was crazy. But uh, <laughs> but I had, a, I had a ball with all of them. I guess the, the the toughest was Cleveland, because you had to kick both ways, and that dog found boy, they not only do they safe crazy stuff they throw batteries at you so you got to keep that helmet on did you ever have a kick that you lined up for and you thought damn i'm not going to make this one i didn't but if you have that mentality you will miss most fun you ever had in your life whether it was career or otherwise i mean probably super bowl parades both of them i mean you you there's there's nothing in this world it's that's priceless I mean, you're riding in a truck with your mom, dad, and sister on top of 10 other teammates, and you won the Super Bowl. You're going to get a ring that's worth fifteen to $45,000, depending on what they spend on it. And uh, it, it is free to you. And you've earned something that 1% of the population has done. Uh, so I would say the Super Bowl parades. Jeff, really appreciate the time, man. Always great, dude. Take care of yourself. Anything you guys need, let me know, man. You know I'm coming on. Appreciate it, buddy. There he goes, Jeff Reed. Love that guy. And you know he was doing orgies and stuff. You know he was an orgy man back in the day. I'm speaking out of my butt here. I obviously don't know, and he would not touch that, but come on. Why wouldn't you? Uh, Women are buying you drinks. I got excited the other day when a woman at Wendy's said I was cute. I was like, hell yeah. I still got it. Meanwhile, Jeff Reed, people like that, they get bottles being sent to them. Never experienced that in my life. I wonder if Tim Benz has. He'll join us at 620. Coming up next, the Patriots, they're not as good as you think. The reason they win, it's 12-fold. Oh, what a tease. It's the Crowley Show.